Well, my friend, it's hard to believe we made it another trip around the sun. This is January of 2023. Season 13, episode 273 of Guad Dot Rocks, God the World and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. This is recorded for Thursday, January 5th, 2023. The title, How to Flourish in 2023. Subtitle, The Lesson of the Inexhaustible Jar. This podcast is adapted from the public domain sermon by Rev. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, The Inexhaustible Barrel, which he delivered on Sunday morning, December 18, 1859, at Exeter Hall, Strand, England. Its core thought is built on 1 Kings 17, verse 16, which reads in the King James Version, the Bible translation from which he preached, it says, And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. And dear friend, I want you to stay encouraged. This is not going to be a, bore, a boring podcast. I tell you, when I heard this sermon on audio, it is life-changing and very encouraging for such a time as this. So I hope you'll stay with me for the next few minutes and let this, let this message that I've adapted from this sermon really speak to your heart for 2023. It's going to be life-changing. I can guarantee it. In the midst of wrath, God remembers mercy. Divine love stands out, and we can easily see it when it shines in the midst of judgments, like a tropical oasis in the desert sands. In the book of 1 Kings, God had sent an all-consuming famine upon the lands of Israel and Sidon. The two people groups had provoked God Almighty, Israel by renouncing him, and Sidon by sending out their queen Jezebel to teach idolatry in the midst of Israel. God therefore determined to withhold both dew and rain from the spiritually polluted lands. But while he did this, he took care that his own chosen ones should be secure. If all the brooks are dry, there shall be one reserved for the prophet Elijah. And if that should fail, God shall still preserve for Elijah a place of food and drink in order to sustain his life. And not for just Elijah only, but also the remnant of dedicated followers of God who were hidden in the caves. This remnant of believers were fed from Ahab's table, the wicked seventh king of Israel and husband of wicked Jezebel, by his faithful God-fearing steward Obadiah. Friend, you can count on this. Come what may, God's people are safe. In the final days of the world, when it is burned with fire, among the ashes there shall not be found the physical remains of a single saint. There is always to be found an ark for God's Noah. Let convulsive earthquakes shake the solid earth and its skies be torn in two. Yet amid the wreck of worlds, the believers shall be as secure as in the calmest hour of rest. Friend, have you looked at the usgs.gov website lately for the tracking of earthquakes? It's profound. It's amazing. It's robust in the amount of earthquakes that are happening across the globe on a daily basis. As Jesus said it would be in the last days, the earth is constantly quaking. When I say that God's people are safe, I don't mean free from injury and grief in this present moment, because we all know of people who walk close with God and yet have suffered from disease and tragedy. But if in God's providential care we suffer loss in this life, even to the point of martyrdom, then heaven shall be the place of our reception and our safety. So, in the midst of these historically turbulent times, when we hear of wars and rumors of wars, we need to drive a stake in the ground and mark this spot and declare that we will not allow agitation to distress us. Whatever comes upon the earth, we shall be secure beneath the protective wings of God's eternal love and grace. In Matthew chapter 23, verses 37 through 39, 
In Jesus' lament over Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. This is one of the few instances where the scriptures describe the heart of God toward his people by using female characteristics. Just as a mother hen wants to bring her brood close when trouble comes, so God wants to bring his people close in times of difficulty. As we stand upon his promises and rest in his faithfulness, we can stand against the blackest future, for there is nothing in it dreadful or terrible for us. Dear friend, mark that thought down. Make that thought stick in your brain. Because at many times, with all of this garbage that goes on around us here on a daily basis, at times what can well up within us is a sense that we're in trouble. But dear friend, as we stand upon his promises and rest in his faithfulness, we can stand against the blackest future or the blackest day, for there is nothing in it dreadful or terrible for us. Friend, allow this truth to sink deep into your heart and soul. As we stand upon his promises and rest in his faithfulness, we can stand against the blackest future, for there is nothing in it dreadful or terrible for us. A vivid illustration for us of God's preserving divine love in action can be seen in the Old Testament book of 1 Kings 17, the story of the widow of Zarephath, starting in verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these years except by my command. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. You are to drink from the Wadi. I commanded the ravens to provide for you there. So he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. The ravens kept bringing him bread and meat in the morning and in the evening, and he would drink from the wadi. After a while, the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Get up, go to Zarephath that belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Look, I have commanded a woman who is a widow to provide for you there. So Elijah got up and went to Zarephath. When he arrived at the city gate, there was a widow gathering wood. Elijah called her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup and let me drink. As she went to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I don't have anything baked, only a handful of flour in the jar and a bit of oil in the jug. Just now I am gathering a couple of sticks in order to go prepare it for myself and my son so we can eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a small loaf from it and bring it out to me. Afterward, you may make some for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The flour jar will not become empty and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. So she proceeded to do according to the word of Elijah. Then the woman, Elijah, and her household ate for many days. The flour jar did not become empty and the oil jug did not run dry. According to the word of the Lord, he had spoken through Elijah. My friend, we should give major attention to the story here, because Jesus chose to retell the story during his rabbinical teaching the day he launched his public ministry. Every word of the Lord is important, but when you see it repeated somewhere else in the Bible, it should cause us to stop and give it our undivided attention. The Gospel of Luke records his teaching in chapter 4, verses 25 and 26, where it says, and this is Jesus speaking, 
But I say to you, there were certainly many widows in Israel in Elijah's days, when the sky was shut up for three years and six months, while a great famine came over all the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them except a widow at Zarephath and Sidon. This woman was in serious trouble. The famine was severe, her husband was dead, and her only son was dependent on her. Yet in the midst of this disaster, she experiences the mercy of God. Just as God sent his prophet Elijah out of pure sovereignty to a woman who deserved nothing at his hands, and just as he sent a prophet to her in the time of her greatest misery and sorrow, so is the word of God sent to us in a similar condition. God's blessing came through the woman's greatest need by taking something from that already much diminished supply of grain and oil in her midst. Think about it. God's blessing came through the woman's greatest need by taking something from that already much diminished supply of grain and oil in her midst. When the prophet Elijah arrives, the one who spoken words of God's judgment against Israel launched the drought to begin with, now speaks words to the woman that on the surface seems to be more trials. He tells her to give away some of that water which she and her son desperately needs, give away a portion of that last little cake which she intended to eat and die. All through this woman's encounter with Elijah was a matter of trial. For there never was more in the barrel at any time than there was at the first. Wow, friend, this is what really moved me. Think about this. All through this woman's encounter with Elijah was a matter of trial, for there never was more in the barrel at any time than there was at the first. Spurgeon calls it the barrel. It was probably actually a jar. There was a handful at night and a handful the next morning, but there never were two handfuls there at a time. To the very last, there was nothing but just a little oil in the jug. Whenever she looked at it, there was only a little glazing of oil to spread upon the meal cakes. The jug was never full. There was not a drop more in it than there was at first. It is easy to imagine that after the first time this woman had eaten the meal out of the jar as Elijah instructed, she might have thought to herself, Well, I have breakfasted in a most extraordinary manner, but where shall I find food at noon? But when she went back to the jar... There was just one handful more. She took that out and prepared it, and unbelief may have whispered, but there will be none this evening. But however, when night came, there was just enough to meet the need. The jar of meal was never filled, and yet it never emptied. The store amount was little, but it was always sufficient for the day. If God chooses us to save us, it is still a trying matter. All the way to heaven, we shall only get there by the skin of our teeth. We shall not go to heaven sailing along with sails swelling to the breeze like seabirds with their white wings extended, but we shall proceed full often with sails that are torn to shreds by life storms, with masts creaking, and the ship's sump pumps at work both night and day. We shall reach the gates of heaven at the last hour and not an hour before. If you and I know God through a personal relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Lord will bring us safe to the end of our pilgrimage. But mark this down, my friend. We will never have one ounce of strength to waste in debauchery and silly shenanigans upon the road. There will be enough strength to get us up the hill difficulty, but only enough then by climbing on our hands and knees. In John Bunyan's classic book, The Pilgrim's Progress, published in 1678, the narrow way ahead is straight, yet it ascends and descends in a manner that is designed by God to greatly test persevering pilgrims. The hill difficulty represents those toilsome trials that distress and restrict travelers, especially those who protest at being uncomfortable. We will have strength enough to fight our adversary the devil, but when the battle is over, our arms will have no strength remaining. Our trials will be so many that if we had only one more trial, 
It would be like the last ounce that breaks the camel's back. But nevertheless, though God's love should try us all through the journey, our faith will bear the trying. For while God may knock you down to the earth with one hand in providence, he will lift you up with the other in grace. We have consolation and affliction weighed out in equal degree, ounce for ounce and grain for grain. Yet we will be like the Israelites in the wilderness if we think we can hoard God's grace and get, quote-unquote, ahead to stockpile provisions against the need. Because as the Israelites attempted to hoard the manna, it resulted in waking up the next morning to rancid manna. It is God's way and will that to be blessed by God, if we gather little, we shall have no lack. God gives us daily grace for daily trials. Although the Lord's dealings with this woman of Zarephath were very trying, they were wise. We may ask, why didn't God give her a granary full of meal at once and a vat full of oil instantly? It was not merely because of God's intent to try her, but there was wisdom here. Suppose he had given her a granary full of meal. How much of it would have been left by the next day? It is highly improbable that any would have remained. For in those days of severe famine, people would have caused a riot and robbed the house, and would perhaps have even killed the woman and her son. In a like manner, if the Lord should give us more grace than we want for the day, we should have all the devils in hell trying to rob us. We have enough to do as it is to fight with Satan. But what an uproar there would be. We should have tens of thousands of enemies pouncing upon our stock of grace, and we should have to defend our stock against all these assailants. While it is good for us to have a little ready money on hand, it is better to let our genuine assets and property remain in the hands of our great banker above. Should these break in, as they often do, and steal our support and take away our comforts, they cannot steal our real treasure. For Jesus Christ has secured an inheritance preserved in heaven for us. If it is given to us to take care of, we would soon lose it and become as poor as ever. I remind you that the scripture says that riches are fleeting and that who can hold on to them? Jesus taught his disciples both in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke 11 to pray to our Father in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. How much better it would be, even if it would keep, to have our daily bread fresh and fresh every day. What a great image of God's divine grace, mercy, and provision is having the bread of heaven hot from heaven's oven every day. When I was a kid, we had day-old bakery stores. The reason for the day-old bakery stores is because the bread bakers baked the loaves fresh every day and delivered the fresh bread to the stores every day. And then the bread man would pull any loaves left from the day before off the shelves. That day-old bread was then sent to the day-old bread stores. I can still remember the smell of fresh bread baking at Mrs. Baird's company, located on the north side of Interstate 30 Freeway as it cuts east to west through downtown Fort Worth. My grandmother lived off the traffic circle on the west side of town. As we approached the bakery on I-30, we would roll our windows down to get a big smell of the baking bread. In one of my previous churches I pastored, one of our faithful members was a Mrs. Baird's bread man. I remember the day that the federal government forced the sale of Mrs. Baird's due to price fixing. The people the government sold the company to, as my friend said, did not make real bread, and that Mrs. Baird's bread would be ruined. I asked him why he felt that way. He said the new company used a special enzyme in their bread that made the bread soft to the squeeze and could preserve it for molding forever, perhaps. He said that most people judge the freshness of the bread by squeezing the loaf. Not only did the bread lose its fresh flavor as a result, and my friend, that's an absolute fact, they could actually bake the bread way in advance and warehouse it for distribution. Plus, it eliminated the need to pull the leftover bread from the shelf every day. 
Mark it down, my friend. There are no day-old bread stores in God's kingdom. He provides his nourishment for us every day, fresh every day. This woman's daily need brought her into constant contact with God. She had more reasons for prayer and more reasons for gratitude than if she had received the blessings at once. This is one reason God does not give us grace to spare. Our daily journey to the well of mercy is good for us. Our hand of faith is blessed by the exercise of knocking at the gate. Give us this day our daily bread is a right good prayer. May God give us the grace to use it daily with our Father who is in heaven. In those moments we feel such little faith, such little life, such little grace in our hearts, even inclined to think we shall never hold out to the end, or perhaps to sometimes fear we are not a child of God at all, we can learn from this poor widow that we shall have just enough to carry us through our trials, but we shall have no faith to spare. We shall have just enough grace in our hearts to keep us living day after day in the fear of God, but we shall have none to sacrifice to our boasting and yield to our own pride. Just as Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount, recorded in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, that when we are poor in spirit, we are rich. The kingdom of heaven is ours, but when we think we are rich and increased in goods, then we are naked and poor and miserable and are in a sad predicament as Jesus describes the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. May we be encouraged that though we have never two handfuls of meal in the jar at a time, yet there will never be less than one handful. That though we will never have a double quantity of oil at one time, yet there will always be the required quantity. There will be nothing left over, but there also shall be none lacking. So let us take this for our comfort. As our days, so shall our strength be. As our needs, so shall our grace be. As the demands of our necessity, such shall be the supply of God's mercy. The cup shall be full if it does not flow over, and the stream shall always run, even though it is not always brimming the banks. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 13, the Lord God of Israel says, The flour jar will not become empty, and the oil jug will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the surface of the land. With the arrival of prophet Elijah, this woman had a 50% increase in daily necessities in which she was already impoverished to the point of being at death's door. She now had three mouths to feed. She had herself, her son, and the prophet Elijah. But though the need was threefold, yet her supply of meal did not spin down. Each day she made the withdrawal of meal from the jar to feed three people, yet each day the supply remained the same. We have daily necessities. Because they come so frequently, because our trials are so many, our troubles so innumerable, we are apt to conceive that the jar of meal will one day be empty, and the jug of oil will fail us. But we can be rest assured that according to the Word of God, this shall not be the case. My friend, I know I'm repeating a lot in this podcast, but I'm telling you, these things are so profound, we need to allow them to sink into our brain. We have daily necessities because they come so frequently, because our trials are so many, our troubles so innumerable, we are apt to conceive that the jar of meal will one day be empty and the jug of oil will fail us. But we can be rest assured that according to the word of God, this shall not be the case. Each day, though it bring its trouble, it shall bring its help. Though it bring its temptation, it shall bring its support. Though it bring its needs, it shall bring its supply. 
And though day come after day, if we should live longer than the oldest person on the planet, and though troubles come after troubles till our tribulations are like the waves of the sea, yet shall God's grace and mercy last through all our necessities, and we shall never know a lack. For three and a half long years the heavens never saw a cloud, and the morning dew never fell upon the wicked earth. For three and a half long years the women fainted in the streets and devoured their own offspring because of the lack of bread. For three and a half long years the mourners went about the streets, pale and weary, like skeletons following corpses to the tomb. But this woman never was hungry, never knew a lack, always supplied, always joyful in abundance. So shall it be with us. We shall see the sinner die, for he trusts his natural strength. We shall see the proud narcissistic pastors falter, for they build their hopes upon the sand. We shall see even our own schemes blasted and withered, but we ourselves shall find that our place of defense shall be the fortification of rocks. Our bread shall be given to us, and our water shall be certain. As we turn to Jesus in full trust and expectation, his staff on which we lean shall never break. His arms on which we lean shall never grow weak. His eyes that look on us shall never go blind. His heart that loves us shall never grow weary, and his hand that supplies us shall never be empty. Friend, do you remember a time in your experience, perhaps not long ago, when you came to your wit's end? You perhaps said, I will surely fall by the hands of the enemy. I ask you this, have you fallen? Are you not still preserved? I encourage you to look back. Perhaps it has only been a few months ago since business was running so dead against you that you said, I must give it up. Ever since I have known the Lord, I have had more trials than ever I had before. Have you given up? You have gone through fires. Let me ask you, have you been burnt? Has there been a hair on your head singed? You have walked through waters, and perhaps deep waters they have been. Have you been drowned? You said you should be, but have you? Have the flood waters overflowed you? When all God's waves and God's billows had rolled over you, were you destroyed? Did they wash out your hope? Did your confidence give way? You once went down and, as it were, into a very sea of trouble, and you thought you would have been drowned like the Egypt army of old. But, my friend, didn't the floodwaters divide before you? And didn't the depths of the flood stand upright as a pile? And were not the floods congealed in the heart of the sea? You have had high mountains of trials in your path, and you have said, I can never traverse this road. The mountains are too steep. But haven't you climbed them? And let me ask you, haven't you been benefited by the climb? When you have stood upon the summit of the trial, hasn't the view of your knowledge become wider? Hasn't the breath of your prayer become purer and freer? Haven't your visits to the cold mountains of affliction strengthened you and braced you for more glorious efforts than before? May we let the past console the future. Snatch a torch from the altars of the past and rekindle the dying embers of today. He that has been with us in time past will not leave us in time to come. He is God. He changes not. He will not forsake us. He is God. He does not lie. He cannot leave us. He has sworn by himself because he can swear by no greater, so that by two unchanging things, his oath and his promise, we might have strong consolation, we who have fled to the refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. Though the jar of meal hold but a small supply, though the jug of oil contains but a drop, the meal shall last us to the end. That jug of oil, miraculously multiplied hour by hour, shall be sufficient until the day we die. And we will end this life with a song, praising and blessing the angel that has redeemed us out of all evil. For those of you who are listening to this podcast who know nothing of the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, what would you think of the condition of the person who can say, and really mean it, I know that I am the object of God's eternal love. 
I know that he has put all my sins behind his back and that I stand before him as accepted and as much beloved as if I had never sinned. What would you say if you could confidently add, I know that this shall be my position in time and eternity. God so loves me that he cannot cease to love me. He will preserve me whatever be my troubles or temptations, and I shall see his face and shall rejoice in his love eternally. Wouldn't you answer, if I could say that, I would give all that I am worth. If I were worth a thousand worlds, I would give them all to say that. Is it then an unattainable thing? Is it so high beyond your reach? I tell you the truth, there are people across God's planet that enjoy this state eternally. There are some of us on the planet that know what it is to have no doubt as to our eternal state. At times we tremble, but other times we can say as the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1 verse 12, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. You may say, I wish to God I could say that. Friend, it is possible that you may say it before long. Tonight, perhaps even, before you close your eyes and sleep, you may be the happiest among people. You may be the chief of sinners. You may possess a bad, evil character. But the Holy Spirit of the Savior Jesus Christ can change your disposition, can renew your will, and make you a new person in Christ. The glory of the religion of Christ is that He not only forgives, but He tells you so. He fills your heart with a sweet consciousness of acceptance in Him, so that you know better than if an angel could tell you that you are now one of the family of God, that all your sins are gone, and that every good thing is yours by an eternal covenant. That means an eternal contract, an eternal agreement. Do you feel and know yourself to be undeserving, ill-deserving, or hell-deserving? That all that God asks of you is that you would simply confess your sin to God. I know that I'm a sinner. Acknowledge that you have been guilty and then cast yourself flat on your face before the cross of Christ. He is able to save you as a sinner, for he is able to save to the very extreme all that come to God by him, by Jesus Christ. May God the Holy Spirit now send his word to our hearts, and may we who have been poor as the widow of Zarephath now find a miraculous supply of grace through Jesus Christ our Lord. These, my friends, are powerful words upon which to build our lives in 2023 to know that we have the flourishing of the Lord guaranteed every day, fresh from the oven. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace.